doğru bir şey yaparız. Nasıl? Bir referandumda onun için yaparız. From the Financial Times in London, I'm John Murray Brown and this is FT News. On Sunday, Turks head to the polls to vote on a new constitution that, if passed, would cement President Recep Tayyip Erdogan's role as perhaps the most powerful president Turkey has known. Mr Erdogan now rules by decree under a state of emergency since an abortive coup last year. If the Yes campaign wins on Sunday, it will give the president immunity before the courts and remove his accountability to parliament. Here with me to discuss the implications of all this is Mehul Srivastava, our correspondent in Istanbul. Hi Mehul, just tell us, Turkey has been through a turbulent time to say the least in the last few years, but can you just give us a flavour of the events that have led us up to this moment? Well, President Erdogan has been trying to get a constitutional referendum through for quite some time. But the failed coup last July laid the grounds for a large amount of political instability, which he then promises can be resolved through the referendum. The coup, as you remember, in July last year killed about 250 people, but it also started a massive purge and a massive crackdown on enemies, both real and perceived. That's something he achieved through the state of emergency, but the state of emergency has also given him massive sway over how the country is run on a day-to-day basis through these decrees that he's able to sign, and also a huge advantage when it comes to a campaign in a country that's as polarized as Turkey. So in a way, you're looking at something that the president and his allies have wanted to do for a long time and now are pitching as a solution to the problems that led to something like the coup. And the campaign for the referendum, how has that been conducted and what's the atmosphere like in Turkey now? Well, as you must remember from when you covered the elections here, elections here tend to be a very, very chaotic and interesting series of events. You know, big rallies, people driving around the streets with loudspeakers, signs everywhere. But because this is happening under a state of emergency, because it's happening under a leader who has increasingly authoritarian tendencies, it has not been an even campaign. One of the strongest leaders in the opposition, a man named Selahattin Demirtas, who could sway 10-12% of the vote, now sits in jail for completely unrelated reasons, but it stifles one of the strongest opposition to Mr. Erdogan. And the other opposition parties are in disarray. So you have one very unified, very focused party, Mr. Erdogan's Justice and Development Party, called the AK Party here, and a disorganized and unmotivated opposition that has been crippled at the knees by the state of emergency. And I think the question uh, people outside Turkey ask is, why does Mr. Erdogan feel that he needs these extra powers, given his incredibly powerful role as it is at the moment? Well, Mr. Erdogan would tell you that the constitution of Turkey is not in any way or form the kind of constitution a country like Turkey needs when it has these incredibly difficult neighbors in Syria and Iraq and elsewhere. It has all these terrorism that it has to deal with. It has these issues of economic uncertainty it has to deal with. They're living under a constitution that was passed in 1982 by a previous military government. But that constitution had the checks and balances that prepared Turkey for its EU accession process. This one, on the other hand, is something that even Mr. Erdogan would admit is one man's rule above others. They argue that parliament is there as a counterweight, but the way the referendum is written, Mr. Erdogan ascends to a position where there's less oversight over his day-to-day activities. He's able to pass decrees that to some extent parliament would have no oversight over. He's able to appoint members to the highest court in the country. He's able to dissolve parliament. Now, 
parliament could then force him into an election too. But it creates not a counterweight, but a presidency that is overweight in its uh, powers over how to run the country. Mr. Erdogan will tell you that's the only way to run this country because political dysfunction has held the country back, fighting between presidents and prime ministers, something that he went through himself when he was prime minister with a president he didn't get along very well with, has slowed the country down. And for the people who support him, which are many, close to 50, 52% of the country voted for him to become president when he did, he is the right guy to run the country that way. And that's the question that's been put in front of Turks on Sunday. So if he wins, does this really mark the end of pluralism in Turkey? You know, it's an incredibly pluralistic society here, one that he has succeeded in shepherding about half the country under his umbrella of a neo-Islamist party that embraces both the Islamic principles that these people have been brought up by and also the constitutional secularity that's imposed upon them. But for the opposition, this should have been an opportunity, and an opportunity that they have not fully been able to grasp. And their hold on people's imagination continues to dwindle as Mr. Erdogan's growth. So no, it's not the end of pluralism, but electoral politics implies that Mr. Erdogan will remain, with or without this referendum, the most powerful man in the country. And what does it mean for Turkey's long-standing ambition to join the EU? I mean, I think it would be fair to say that Turkey no longer has that much of an ambition to join the European Union Mr. Erdogan has picked a lot of fights in the last year and converted the accession process of the European Union into a transactional procedure where I give you something and you give me something in exchange. European diplomats tell us that the accession process is dead, but it hasn't been declared dead yet, if you want to look at it that way. Mr. Erdogan has hinted that he wants to have another referendum at the end of this to see if Turkey should stop its accession process. It's unclear if that will happen, but it's definitely clear that that relationship is broken. The question of whether or not it's broken beyond repair is actually up to Mr. Erdogan, not to the European Union. So what do the polls tell us about the likely result on Sunday? And are they reliable, do you think? You know, the feeling on the ground, and I may be putting myself on a spot here, but is that it will be a yes vote, not just because of the very successful political machinery that Mr. Erdogan has deployed to push this incredibly important vote through to a referendum, but also because there hasn't been such a strong opposition. But the polls, oddly enough, until two weeks ago, had been quite close. You had a large number of undecided voters. You had one or two polls showing yes, the most showing no. But in the last two weeks, Mr. Erdogan has really stepped up his campaigning, and he is an incredibly charismatic speaker. He's already got 40% of the country saying yes. He needs to convince another 10 or 12%. And given the charisma that he's able to bring to his rallies, given the preponderance of his time on television, where else the opposition isn't able to get much, and the massive amount of money that the AK party has compared to the competition, people should not be surprised if it is a yes vote. The question of whether or not the polling is accurate is one that I think people in the UK and in Europe have been asking a lot. Polling for referendums remains far more complicated than polling for national elections. Many of the pollsters tell us that because there's an atmosphere of fear in this country, Voters who may want to vote no won't admit it to a pollster and therefore register either as yes or undecided. Now we're so close, there will be very few new polls published. We'll find out on Sunday evening. So this is obviously a huge moment in Turkey's history. Thank you, Mehl, and uh, we look forward to further excellent coverage from you. And we wait to see the result on Sunday.
Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.